Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eaglebrook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander, and I'm here with my co-host, Don Grafham. Don, how excited are you that the weather is getting warm? Oh, I just love spring. It's my favorite time of year. The birds are coming out, John. I just saw a wood duck at my feeder yesterday. Okay, and- this is, we're going to get off to a bad oh, start here. Okay, sorry. Don is a bird watcher. <laughs> so that just shows you a little bit about who he is. That's true. He's a bird watcher. But he also, I was thinking you like the warm weather because you can get the bike outside and I know. get excited. But I was out for a walk yesterday and watching birds and can't wait to get out for some biking and baseball. And it's just it's just a great time of year. A lot of hope in the air. Now, have you eaten at White Castle lately? That's kind of what I've been thinking uh, about. It's been a little over Since, a month. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, because our new Ham Lake campus, did you know this? That there is one just south of that, kind of south down 65 there. You'll go by it, so you make sure you stop by okay. on your way home next time you go. That's what I did the first time I went. Special plug to White Castle. Hopefully, you can get some kickback for that at some Ooh, point. Like <laughs> and, you know, they just did just have their 100th birthday. I know you oh, know that, so wow. pretty big deal. Wow. Is, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's dive into the content today. People don't want to hear us talk about birds and White know. Castle. but Come on. Uh, I don't want to talk about this, but pandemic. Are you tired of that word yet? I mean, yes, I'm so yes. tired of it. Let's move on. Leading through a pandemic, crisis management, leadership in tumultuous times. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so tired of talking about it. Um, now, you did say you're tired of it, but you're you're also a seven, and on the Instagram, you're yellow, and the personality deal. I mean, you just love all the things. So you and you even texted me the other day. <laughs> we had a little challenge at work. We always have challenges every day, and I was texting you, "What are we going to do?" And you wrote, uh, "We eat problems for breakfast." Yeah, leader, leaders <laughs> so eat problems for breakfast. That's a PJ Fleck quote, I believe. Oh, so yeah. so you that. love it. You you step into the crisis. You love it, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Actually, mm-hmm. we've learned a lot about ourselves, our staff, our church, our people. Why? Because what we found is leading through a crisis brings out more of who you are, mm-hmm. not less. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this isn't always true, not universally, but here's kind of a working theory I've had, and just is to tee you up on talking about leading through a crisis and your character through a crisis, but a working the- theory I've had, and it's sort of related to Newton's first law of motion. An object at rest stays at rest. An object in motion stays in motion in the same speed and direction unless acted upon by another force. Mm. Here's kind of a theory I have. If you were a good leader before crisis, you're going to be an even better one during one. It's going to spur you on. But if your marriage was struggling before crisis, well, you're going to struggle even more. And here's another theory. If you had questionable character before the crisis— your character was going to worsen during the crisis. And that's what we want to talk about today and why it's so crucial for what we're going to talk about for any and every leader. It's the topic of character Mm -hmm. in leadership because when tension strikes, when crisis arises, when the going gets tough, man, and we just found this to be true over the last year, your character will be the thing that either gets you through or derails you into the abyss. So Don... Um, with that as the setup, thinking about what's happened last year, thinking about character, I mean, just to get things going, why is character so important in leadership? Yeah, well, I'd agree with you that uh, throughout the crisis, there has been kind of an accelerant, you know, of for good or for bad, things just accelerate. But when we talk about character, I mean, the character of a leader is the foundation from which they lead. You know, if their character is shaky, their leadership is compromised. And if leaders lead from a strong, reliable, and consistent character, then their leadership is maximized. It 
And it takes a long time to build character, but it takes a very short time to lose that character, to lose that credibility. And it's tempting to think, this is a fear for me, John, is that it's tempting for me to think that's never going to happen to me. Like, I would never say this phrase, like I'm invincible, but when I when I hear of, you know, some of the biggest leaders in Christianity fall, I kind of think, man, that would never happen to me, but but we all know we're susceptible, which is why we need to talk about this topic. And just one last kind of comment before we get into it is I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> Honestly, I don't love this topic because there's something that maybe feels like, uh, oh, we have this figured out. Like we can talk about this. We have some expertise in this. And that's not the case by any stretch. I mean, you and I are sinners trying to figure this all out, but the topic is so important that I just think we have to go there. Let's talk about the importance of character because it is the foundation from which we lead. So let's dive into what what character ma- means and how we can maybe get a grip on our character moving forward. Okay, let's take a look at the book of Colossians and some of the things you've learned um, as you've studied Colossians chapter three. Yeah, this is kind of fun and a different approach for us. You know, we haven't really taken this approach, uh, but last year I tried to read through the Bible in a year. I did read through the Bible in a year, listened to a lot of it. And that's a great exercise because you just kind of get this overview. And this year I've tried to do the opposite where I just try to lock in on a certain part of scripture and just have tried to meditate on it, think about it, memorize it too, mostly from a challenge from a friend. And Colossians is that book. I've spent the last few months just rereading, rereading, rereading Colossians. And I've especially been struck by Colossians 3. So we're going to anchor everything we talk about today in Colossians 3. And a couple other comments maybe from Colossians along the way. But uh, I've been convicted by this text. And so I want to share it a bit as our framework, as we talk about character during our time together. So to jump in with Colossians 3.1, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And so step one to getting your character in order is to setting your heart and your mind on things above. Now, I think we can all be a little tempted or a little bit sucked into pleasing people instead of God. And I think this is true for all leaders, but maybe especially for me or for pastors, as you know, you think about the accolades that you get as a pastor is that you get to come alongside people in some of their greatest time of need. And some people tell you that you're really important, you know, that you really met them in a really important time. And they may even tell you how you had an impact in changing their lives. Now, we, we love those compliments. Those are great compliments. But there's a possibility that that could go to our heads. And there's a possibility that being in front of lights and microphones and on a stage that can set our minds that are things not above. And I would just say to to pastors, and I might add all leaders, need to set their hearts on things above. And they need to set their minds on things of God rather than on earthly things because these things are pulling us in. We are being tempted by this. And I think it's why we've seen Christian leaders fall is they've fallen prey to some of those things. But step one is, man, John, set your mind, set your heart on things above. Don't be tempted by the things of this earth. Yeah, that's really well said. I was. It just came to mind as you were talking. I read Deuteronomy 9 this morning and God is reminding 
Moses and the Israelites uh, that they're not going to take possession of the land because of their righteousness. He mm. says it like two or three times. That's good. Um, and uh, in chapter nine, he says, "The Lord." Uh, he says, "After you have driven them out, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness.'" And he says in verse five, it is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you're going to be in mm-hmm. possession of their land. And how I took that, and I didn't do a deep dive into that text, but how I took that is God is reminding us um, that it's not about our goodness, our yeah. things that we accomplish on our own. And so right. setting our things on, you know, above, setting our hearts and minds on things above really comes down to what is God going to think about me in this moment? Yep, right. It is so tempting. You said this. It's so tempting in ministry when you come alongside people, when you help them in times of greatest need, when you speak, when you're up front, to get sucked into this idea mm-hmm. that uh, they're thinking more about me than they're thinking about God. And mm-hmm. that can do something to your ego. That can do something to your pride. And it's something we all have to pay attention to. God wants to remind us that ultimately, while he's pleased with us, he loves us, he's Mm -hmm. grateful that we're working with him, for him, ultimately, he's in control. Mm -hmm. It is about him. So just diving in practically, Mm -hmm. how can people do this? How do people set their hearts and minds on things above? What are some things that you do? What would you recommend to people? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good practical question to try to think when you walk into a meeting, how do I just breathe a prayer of God, lead me in this? Uh, you work through me and in me, guide my direction. When I drive into the driveway and I take on that very important role of being a, a father and a husband, God, just lead me, guide me. Uh, sometimes even setting reminders around your office uh, or where you're going to walk or maybe even a phrase that you hear just to remind you, to set your mind on something above, yeah. not to be trapped by what other people think about you and to be wrapped into the temptation of the world that's all around us all the time. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. All right, second, moving on through All Colossians right, second, here. it's kind of similar, but it's a, it's a little bit different. It comes from uh, 3, two, uh, three three. for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So to put to death our ego, our agenda, our plans for the sake of his plans is a very difficult thing. I mean, I think all leaders kind of want to lead. I mean, they want to be pioneers. They want to blaze a trail. And so to forsake our plans for the sake of God's plans is what we're called to do. And I would even say we follow the one who said, not my will, but thy will be done. One who taught us how to submit. Now, this word of submission is a dangerous word. We've even talked about it a little bit before. Uh, but I do think we're ultimately called to submission. And I, I, I love that idea is that we are hidden with Christ. And it reminds me of my other favorite verse, that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, Galatians 2.20. And I just think we kind of have to be emptying ourselves of ourselves and we need to fill ourselves up in the spirit. We need to have the spirit dwell in us. Maybe just a real, this is maybe a cheesy example, but I've been, I won't even tell you the name of the TV show because I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> but it's one of those TV shows where somebody dies and then somebody who had died prior to that person's, I don't know what, the spirit is alive of that person that had died a long time ago and comes and dwells in the person that just died. 
And so don't even say it. <laughs> and so essentially the, the abilities that they had as the prior person come and they dwell inside the person that just died. So like an old person can all of a sudden have a young person's abilities of some kind. And so you kind of watch this person that shouldn't have those abilities all of a sudden has these abilities because this prior person dwells inside of them. Now, cheesy example, but really we're looking for the spirit to dwell inside of us. We're not looking for our own strength, our own peace, our own abilities. We want to be supernaturally charged by God's spirit dwelling in us. And I think that's part of what we're being called to do. That's where our character comes from, isn't from our own efforts. It's not a willpower thing, but it's the spirit of God dwelling inside of us. And if we can allow God's spirit to dwell in us, uh, we've put to death. We've We've been crucified with Christ and we're allowing him to fill us up. A key part, the second part, of having a solid character is being hidden in Christ. Mm, that's so well said. You know, I was just thinking of this last weekend. I I spoke at church, and there's always a moment where after all the preparation, all the hard work, all the time leading into it, about five minutes before I kind of head out and the service gets started, I just get on my knees, and mm. I'll lay the actual message on the floor, and I'll I'll essentially pray, it's in my weakness that you are strong. Mm. And I'm just admitting that I I can't do this without Jesus. I've done a lot, by the way, I've done a lot of hard work. Yeah. I put in a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's because my life is hidden with Christ that I can actually do the things that he's called me to do. Mm -hmm. And even just that act of submission, and again, we start off by saying this, but anytime we give examples, I want to make clear, we don't have this all figured out. Yeah. We're not susceptible, or we are susceptible to some right. of these same temptations. Yep. There are things, even in my character, I have to pay attention to. But this act is just a great reminder for me, and it's a true submission that, man, without Christ hidden me, hidden in me, I simply cannot do this. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, that that's really well said, Don. It's really Don. It's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. It's hard to um, live out because we want to be self-sufficient. We want to try to figure things out on our own. We want the strength to accomplish that, to do that. But there is something powerful about just remembering it's in my weakness that that God is much stronger. Yeah. And uh, yeah, any other comments on that? No, I think that's okay. what gives us strength to step into things we're really not capable to do. <laughs> you know, is let the spirit dwell in us and move through us. That's what gives us the strength to move through and to help us in our character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, number three. Number three comes from uh, verse five, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And so the third step here is to put it to death. And here's where we need to kind of roll up our sleeves a little bit, John, and talk about the sin inside of leaders. And I just think we have to be so uh, vigilant to confessing our sins, to making sure that we do not allow sin to take root in our lives, and to having the right people that we share this with so that we can root it out on a daily basis, maybe even an hourly basis, that we have to root out sin. I was sitting in this room and I was sitting with the three brand new campus pastors that are going to be starting. And I, I looked all three of them in the eye and I said, before, this was before they even had started, before we introduce you to your congregation, if you have a deeply rooted sin in your life, please tell me before we introduce you to your congregation, because we should sort that out before we give you the mantle of leadership. 
And the idea of sin inside of leaders is so important because it can really be caustic for an entire group of people you're leading, whether you're in a church or whether you're in a workplace. I mean, that is going to impact your leadership uh, throughout anybody that you're having an impact on. So you said this so well, you know, just recently in a message to come clean before God and to come clean before others, find that safe space that you can talk to somebody. And if if you're listening to this and you have a, a sin that is rooted in your life, I'm just asking you now, be honest with yourself, be honest with God, bring that into the light. You said this also, bring the darkness into the light. There will be a freedom. I know there's a fear in doing that and maybe an embarrassment. You have to work through that so that you can bring that forward because the people that you're leading count on this. This is the one of the biggest parts of your character is rooting out sin, being honest about that, confessing that on a regular basis. So whatever you can do, put it to death on a regular basis such a key part of character is identifying sin, confessing it, and just putting it to death. Yeah, man, that's so well taught. So well said. This is one of the most heartbreaking things for me as a pastor is to watch other pastors fall prey to this, Mm -hmm. who hide sin, cover up sin. They don't have, maybe they're, um, they're deceiving themselves about the level of sin. They don't have people yeah. in their lives who are good. speaking truth to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just heard another story. Someone shared with me about their previous church experience. This senior pastor was just living in all kinds of sin. People knew it, but no one had the guts yeah. to speak truth to this person. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> let's talk about this. A, cu- a couple of things that come to mind in this. One, why is it so hard for people to speak truth to higher level leaders. I mean, we can go down the list of leaders Mm -hmm. and we aren't going to name names, people in the news that have fallen recently, high-powered, highly influential leaders and pastors who um, were unable to put to death the sin that was taking root in their lives. And part of the reason is some people weren't able to, for whatever reason, speak truth to them. Why do you think that is? Why is it so hard to say to our higher level leaders, mm-hmm. you got to pay attention to this. Yeah. I mean, these these people wield a lot of power. I mean, and often your career or your reputation is on the line. There's a fear of bringing those things forward. And, you know, you, you, you probably don't want to be unemployed. Well, and yeah, so, your paycheck's tied to it. Yeah. In fact, the person who was telling me the story said when, when he did kind of eventually confront this senior pastor— he essentially was forced to resign the next week. Mm-hmm. Not the senior pastor, the guy who brought the yeah, sin yeah, to right. him. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh my gosh. No, I know that that happens. And yeah. that, that that locks down a system. Yep. I mean, that that puts things in the dark. Yep. That that holds secrets in a really dangerous place. So, Okay, let me flip this in another angle then. Yeah. I said there's two angles I want to come at it. Speaking truth to those above you or in higher levels of leadership. What if you are someone who works in a church or business, organization, nonprofit, whatever, who has sin taking place in their lives Mm -hmm. and they fear the repercussions of telling someone, their boss, the truth. What would you say to those people? Yeah, well, it depends a little bit on what the the sin is, but the importance is getting healthy and confessing that sin and moving, even in this passage, unfortunately, we don't have time to talk about it. You're to put off your old self and to put on the new self, which is being renewed in Christ. 
And so that's, that's what we're looking for is to have people put off the old self and put on the new self. And so if a, if a trained therapist is the person, by all means, meet with the therapist or a mentor that you can confess this to or somebody outside of the organization, leverage those people, use those people, talk to those people. And if it's going to impact your job, you should be forthright. And I think you just have to trust God that if, if it's something that is a part of your job and your supervisor should know about, you probably should talk to your supervisor and just trust that my health is, is on the line. It's important enough that I just have to bring it forward. I don't want to bring it forward. And there is a time that you should confess that to your supervisor, yeah. even if your job is at risk. I, I think you have to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Would cool. you add something to that? Do you have any suggestions for that person? No, I think it's it's like you said earlier, it's bringing it from the darkness into the light. Now, yeah. where's that light? Well, it's with a therapist. Well, it starts with God. Mm-hmm. You know, David said, against you, God, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. It's, it's confessing to God, but then it's confessing it to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the situation, depends on the severity, depends on what's happening. But yes, bring it into light. Bring it into light with your spouse, bring it into light with a therapist, bring it into light with... Um, your supervisor, just bring it into light and trust that God's going to do something with that. Yeah. Um, absolutely. That That's the key there. Mm-hmm. Real tough one. Oh, so so tough. if you are, I mean, someone who is listening and you're like, there is a deeply rooted sin. Yeah. Um, my prayer for you, our prayer for you is that you would bring it to someone, um, that you would come clean, mm-hmm. but also that you have people who are honest with you. And if you are higher level leader. And I know you, Don, do this so well. I try to do this as best I can. Invite people to speak honestly into your life. Mm-hmm. People who aren't tied to their uh, career <laughs> based mm-hmm. on what they're going to say. People yeah. outside the organization. Hey, if you see something to me, you got you have full permission to call that out mm-hmm. and remind them frequently. Yeah. And Don, you have permission to call something out on me. So. Oh, okay. Well, we'll talk right after. <laughs> 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 All right. With that, fourth okay. and final thing you've learned by... Uh, reading through Colossians. Yeah, let's drop down to 312. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And such an important part of how we lead. What if all leaders had a character that out of them came compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? And as much as I could see the fear in these campus bastards, as I was saying, if there's a deeply rooted sin in your life, let's talk about this. I said, but the reality is, is if you lead with uh, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, you're going to be okay. You know, if you set your, your minds on things above, if you put to death your ways, you know, if you remind yourself you're hidden in Christ, you put to death your sins and you lead with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, you're going to be okay. I'd really think God is going to lead you as I looked into these three guys and how they're going to be taking on these monster roles Mm -hmm. at our church. And that would be my prayer and hope for every person listening to, you know, is that you would lead from a place that comes from compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And that really only comes when we do those other things. You know, when we set our hearts and we set our minds above, when we remind ourselves that we're hidden in Christ, that we put to death those sinful ways, confess them on a regular basis, and that we remind ourselves that we are clothed in these attributes, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. May we all be those kind of leaders. That's what mm-hmm. I'd hope for every person listening, every leader, that they'd have that kind of structure in, yeah. their, in their character. Man, so well said. And so many successful leaders are type A, driven, aggressive, um, they succeed because they 
they work super hard and um, they're willing to push through challenges. And, and those, those are fine attributes. Those are good attributes. In mm-hmm. fact, in some ways, you and I have pieces of those. We work with people have pieces of those. But what we often leave in the dust are those things, compassion, kindness, gentleness, and humility. Yeah. And so don't forget those attributes. At yeah. the end of the day, what is God going to be most pleased with, your success or the character that you possess? Yeah, absolutely. That rhymed, and that was really well. Ooh, that I like that. Good. that. We should put that on like an LED wall That was good. Tweet that. Tweet that. Yeah. <laughs> Tweet. But it is true. I, and, and the older I get, the more I learn that lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm— I'm not super old, I'm 37, but when I was younger, I was definitely more attracted to outward success. And I'm slowly but shifting, becoming more attracted to, more driven by inward Mm -hmm. Christ-like character. Mm -hmm. And I know as a pastor, you should say, oh, I'm always motivated by that. Mm -hmm. I'm just being honest. Early on, it was much more about that outward, the success, how much can I lead and get and achieve. Mm -hmm. I've just felt a, a major shift in my spirit, soul, heart the last five, seven years that I'm still working towards. I mean, I've got a lot of work to do in this. Yeah. But this is what I want to be known as, someone yeah. who's compassionate, kind, gentle, and humble. Well, so, it leads me to my last point that yeah. I just want to end on because it's a, kind of another place in Colossians. It actually comes out right on chapter one, verse three. It says, we, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people. And that, that's a verse that I've read through a, a gazillion times and never stopped on. I've never thought about that verse. It does not seem like a big deal. But then, you know, just kind of, again, ruminating on this passage, I just thought, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all people, that's what they were known for, was for their, their faith and their love. He actually goes on to repeat it again later, the next verse, because of your faith and your love. And just like you talked about, John, I love our church down to my toes. I mean, just love our church. And I love talking about multi-site and how we're a progressive church and our vision culture and staff commitments. And we have just this gritty leadership language and lots of it. My fear is that Eaglebrook Church would be known for its multi-site strategies more, more than for its love and its faith. Wouldn't that be great if people said, Eaglebrook Church, Oh, I oh that's the church known for their faith and their love. Mm. Oh, I I wanted to be a part of the church, mm. or I knew somebody that was a part of that church because it's known for their faith and their love. Yeah, and just like you were kind of just getting to right there is how do we become less drawn in by a church of great strategy, which we have great messages, but really more about the message of Christ of love and faith. That would be that was like a conviction mm. when I read that because I can perk up when leadership content and strategic thinking comes along. Like, I love that stuff. But man, I really want us to be known for our love and faith. So I would hope that again for any leader, may you be known for your love and your faith and put those other attributes that we just talked about so that your character can be strong. Ultimately, you're known for your love and your faith. Your organization would be known for their love and their faith. May we all be known for those reasons. Well said. I have nothing to add to that. (laughs) That was a great conclusion, Donnie. You do live that out. I'm grateful to know a leader like you who's really striving for that. We're still works in progress. We're Mm -hmm. still trying to figure out, but that's our target. That's what it means to have character in leadership. So take some time this week, right after you get done listening to this, and reflect, where's your character at? Read through Colossians 3. I know it's really been inspiring you the last several months, Don. Um, This conversation has inspired me. And so thanks for modeling that. 
Thanks for joining us wherever you are joining us from. That's all we got for this episode of the Eaglebrook Church Leadership Podcast. When leaders get better, the church gets better. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you for the next episode of the Eaglebrook Church Leadership Podcast. Mm-hmm.